All right, welcome to the St. Paul Lakeland podcast. My name is Nick Moss. I'm the director of Christian education here at St. Paul in Lakeland, and I've got Tim Mitchell with Parker Street Ministry. Good to have you here. Good to be here. All right. And so this is our podcast for ministry partners. So we're bringing in ministry people from around the Lakeland area, Lakeland, Florida, that are being the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. And we want to know about Parker Street Ministry today. And so that's why we brought brought Tim in. So it's good to have you here. And obviously you can Google Parker Street Ministries and parkerstreetministries.org to find out more. And hopefully if you're hearing this and you're in the Lakeland area, you'll be able to learn a little bit more about who they are and what they do and even find a, a place to volunteer. It's a great place. I've been around maybe about 10 plus years, Parker Street Ministries and in and out. Um, I think we started first with your Christmas store. Yeah. And um, But tell me a little bit about who you are, and so people listening can know a little bit about who Tim is. Well, I am uh, a native of Arkansas, moved here when I was 19. Um, Sui. Yeah, yeah. My parents were strong Christians who kind of led us in a life of service and care for others. Um, I was the only boy in the home, so most of the time when we were offering a place to sleep, it was my bed that was given away. Um <laughs> Which was totally normal. It wasn't a, it wasn't, I didn't, it didn't feel like a sacrifice. Yeah. It was just what he did if yeah. he had a space. So um, I always kind of had a heart for others. My parents really bore into our whole life a, a sense of responsibility for other people that, you know, um, we really were our brother's keeper. Um, and again, it was normal. It wasn't some religious response. Sure. It was just what we did. Uh, so as I started looking at my life and moving towards uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up, I decided I wanted to do some ministry and thought I could take a year off after graduating high school and do some ministry and yeah. then maybe go to college after that, figure it out. So I had a chance to move to Lakeland. My sister lived here, and so I had a free place to live, and so I figured in Lakeland I would find something bigger and more active sure. than Parker Street. I mean, than the, the neighborhood stuff that I'd seen in my own little small town. So I moved to Lakeland and went to Tampa and Orlando looking around trying to find something and lo and behold God had a group of folks trying to serve the neighborhood in in our in Lakeland called the Parker Street neighborhood. Um at the time it was a small little fledgling effort of uh people from Shepherd Road Presbyterian Church who okay. um kind of launched into the neighborhood. They bought some property and were inviting people to move in and just live among the neighborhood and serve through relational evangelism. So I was excited about that. I love people, loved the idea of living with people. And so I um, moved in in 1997 to uh, just be a neighbor. Yeah. And um, I didn't really think you could mess up being a neighbor, so I <laughs> tried that. I found out you can mess up doing that. You can be pretty offensive, and I was pretty good at being offensive. Um, a lot of the first few years of ministry were just that, making mistakes and asking forgiveness and making mistakes and asking forgiveness and promising the moon and realizing you can't even you know, mm-hmm. barely mow the grass. Mm-hmm. So God really transformed my life through what I thought was going to be a year-long effort of changing a neighborhood and moving on. Um, you know, when you're 19, you really do believe you could fix a neighborhood in, in a year. So. Right. And I think that's God's wisdom in my own life was just giving me small information you know <laughs> if you gave me the whole picture up i would have run away but at that time i was naive enough to think we could knock this thing out and move on so a year into ministry things got really hard and my life started falling apart 
um, and I, when I say falling apart, not like outwardly, but inwardly really was facing um, a lot of burdens in my own spiritual life and just seeing God feeling like God was smaller than the God I needed. Sure. And um, so I was challenged by the Spirit to really move towards God, which is awesome that I got to go towards Him instead of running away. Yeah. And I just saw my life change, saw my love for God change, saw my heart for Him change. Um, in that process, I realized that I wanted to really do what he wanted me to do. No longer did I have my own agenda, but I was really trying to say, okay, you've probably, you're probably smarter than me, God, so I better shut mm-hmm. up and listen. So I started praying differently. Um, I, the neat thing is, again, coming from my parents' home, they were praying for me. I had a group of people praying for me. When I moved to Lakeland, we had established kind of a prayer team of people wow. that were just praying for me. So all along, people were really holding me up, even though I was you yeah. know, not very smart and making all kinds of mistakes. Um, so I got a chance just to kind of see God change my life and fall in love with the neighborhood in a way that I, it wasn't about my own agenda, but it was really trying to figure out how to push Jesus. And so for the first time in my life, I, I just wanted to show God off well. Um, and again, being young, I thought that would be a lot quicker than it was, but, uh, (laughs) relationships take time, right? Yeah. And you know, I, I love the idea of relationship. I grew up in a small town where you knew everybody, and so it was fun to be in a neighborhood where people wanted to know you. Um, the Park Street neighborhood, while it was full of crime and all kinds of horrible things, it was also full of people who just loved well. Sure. Probably better than any of my friends I'd ever experienced in my whole life. Just people that poured into me, that cared for me. Uh, I met people early on that really, and this is true, kept me alive. They protected me when I didn't know I was needing Mm. to be protected. Um, Men and women who just vouched for me when, you know, again, I'm from this little small town. I don't even know how drugs and prostitution and all that stuff work. I'm talking to people who don't know anything. And the whole time there's people that God strategically allowed me to meet that just kept me Mm. alive. There was a group of uh, drug dealers early on that wanted to get rid of me and several other people that had moved in as neighbors. Oh, wow. And they did all they could to chase us off. Um, I didn't know that all they did was small compared to what they wanted to do. Like they sure. had planned to burn our houses down. They wanted to blow our car up. They uh, several different times were trying to literally kill me and always stopped by these people that got mm. in placed in my life that I just thought were nice people in the right. neighborhood. <laughs> so spiritual, you know, spiritual battles taking place on your behalf that you don't even oh, know yeah. that are happening. Oh, yeah. So it was it was just beautiful. And you know, I just got to see God just care for us. And I and I think the thing that was the most striking was finding out that ministry was mostly about me and God. Mm. It was rarely about the people I thought I was coming to help. Sure. I mean God was working with them and yeah. but mostly in spite of me and you know yeah. <laughs> backwards and fixing up all of my problems. But eventually we got to a place where we started walking together. I would say the community and I were walking together as we pursued Christ. I think that's also why God sent me in there as young as I was, because I was really growing. Yeah. You know, I was getting to become a man in a place that I thought I came to serve. And, you know, so I had older women and older men who were praying for me, and I'd meet with every week on their porch, and they, oh, wow. you know, check on me. And I mean, this is in the neighborhood. You yeah. Know, so it's powerful. So the uh, for those that live in Lakeland, remind us again with the kind of the boundaries of oh, yeah. Parker Street. Industries. So our northern boundary is Memorial Boulevard. Our southern mm-hmm. boundary is In-Town Bypass. Ingram is our eastern boundary, and our western boundary is um, Florida Avenue. Now, we just recently, pre-COVID, 
decided to expand our services all the way to Kathleen. Oh, wow. So we're taking on the North Lake Wire neighborhood. So yeah. now it's no, Kathleen is our eastern our western boundary, uh, still the in-town bypass being our southern boundary. So it basically doubles our footprint, right. um, gives us you know a whole lot more to do because we were starting to feel like we had I'm just joking. We had plenty to do before. <laughs> right. So the the demographics, if you can share with people that, yeah. that don't know that area, um, kind of what's the demographics mm-hmm. there? Still predominantly African-American, um, has a fairly large Hispanic population, mm-hmm. um, lots of migrant folks. So they're very much transitional. We don't see them as much. Yeah. Um, and then we have a, you know, a small little pocket of white folks. Lots of them are people we brought in ourselves. Yeah. Um, and then still predominantly um extremely low income yeah. uh the mostly rental um so that changes the environment again and then you know we still have lots of drugs prostitution um when we moved in the neighborhood in 97 it had the highest crime rate in lakeland that is not the case now that wow. has definitely changed um again that wasn't any of that was just kind of when when the folks at Shepherd Road said, where should we go? They went to the police department oh, and wow. said, hey, this is a rough place. We don't like going. So the neat thing is, <laughs> you know, sometimes Christians really follow God, yeah. and, and they did. And I believe, you know, we are seeing evidence of God's faithfulness in that choice to say, seems crazy, but let's uh-huh. do it. You know? Right. So we we tried to stay in that, main, that, that vein of, okay, just because human wisdom says no, we better check with God. Right. And so you've um, one of the first ways I got involved with Parker Street Ministry was the Christmas store. And so, can you tell us um, what how the Christmas store started and kind of from from how you started it, and then some changes that took place to kind of where you are now? Yeah. yeah so initially, you know, you come into a neighborhood, you see people who don't have stuff you want them to have, don't have stuff you had, and you still you have some level of compassion, pity, all kinds of emotions, and so. Uh, people with means typically respond pretty quickly. And so we just told people, hey, our kids don't have Christmas. So Christmas comes in waves, you know, tons of toys. And you give the toys away, and it's awesome. And everyone's excited. The kids love it. Um, But we had the luxury of having people go before us and and do this kind of stuff. And and we were challenged to consider some different alternatives than just throwing toys at kids Uh who don't have toys. Uh, So we got to watch our neighbors really respond – to that initial, hey, I got gifts free for my kids with joy, but also real pain. Um, again, in this neighborhood with na- and neighborhoods like ours, oftentimes they are the people who do receive a lot of free stuff, um, but most of them, like you and I would be, don't really want to have to admit that we can't yeah. afford something. We can't pay for our own stuff. And while they're not going to ever reject free gifts for their kids, it continues to demean and um, belittle the dignity of those parents so we uh we we met with some other people and and came up with a plan to sell toys for 75 percent off their original price and it's it was weird it was even hard for us when we first started because you think these are poor people why are we making them pay for stuff and and i can tell you the first week we did the first year we did the stores where we sold stuff we started with a thousand dollars worth of merchandise we sold out in 30 minutes it was the fastest sale of toys (laughs) and the parents were elated it was you know just awesome um now we had no idea that we would sell out that fast um 
And so we, we got so much good feedback from that. And, and the moms were, and dads were excited to say, I bought toys for my kids, yeah. you know, and it's new toys. They're in the package. I mean, it's, oh yeah, yeah. I've know, been there. It's, yeah. It's, there, it's all yeah, it's, it's going it's from great. Walmart yeah. to the Parker street. It's great stuff. So, so we're like, okay, well we got to ramp this up as far as getting more gifts. And then what was neat is it only took a little bit of effort to get the churches to believe it was okay for us to sell them. And we sure. just tell the story and, but the stories that came back after the fact, after the store was over, after everyone had gone, after Christmas was done and we're back into the normal life yeah. of moms and dads and aunts and uncles, whoever was the toy provider to the kids, of just how excited they were to look at their kid on sun, on Christmas morning and know they bought it. Yes. And that's so powerful because, like you said, it didn't take much to convince the churches when mm-hmm. I remember telling people about that and when you first – say and you're going to donate this yeah. gift and then they're going to sell it right. and you're like you <laughs> get this weird look and then you t- you say they're going to sell it at 75 percent because and then you you share because we're trying to give people dignity yeah and have ownership of their money and be able to to provide for their family and a light bulb goes on oh, yeah. in in people's because they they and now it's it's not about the the money it's about the experience when you know, when our church members go to Walmart or Target or whatever, and they buy that gift, and it's fun to wrap it, and it's fun to watch your kid open it, and you br- yeah. brings a lot of joy. They now um, realize, boy, I can provide that same joy yeah. to a family that can't, couldn't otherwise do that, mm-hmm. and they couldn't do it if I just gave them the gift. Yep. So they're giving them this not only a gift, but it's joy, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's a light bulb moment. I think. Oh yeah. And, you know, we, we use, use this as one of those just reckless, undeserved examples of God's love for us. Sure. And I think that's, that's so important as we're trying to reach a community that has felt marginalized, that has been neglected. God, I mean, his sacrifice of his own son on the cross was the most reckless, undeserved sacrifice we could all ever have. He starts that. That's you know, yeah. <laughs> that's his starting work, right. and then says, "I'm going to leave you the spirit, and we're going to keep this kind of stuff going on." So to me, it's it's really fun when you do get those moments where God allows you to be a part of just this kind of ridiculousness. Oh, know? absolutely! It's, and to now to see a store that sells about forty forty thousand dollars worth of merchandise that serves hundreds of families, mm-hmm. it's it's it it feels to me like a real God thing. It's way more than just a Hey, you got some gifts. Yeah, right. Um, and I'll tell you, it is. It has changed our interaction with our community throughout the year, just because of those. And to have all this, the volunteers that come and the the people that are there that, you know, that interact with our kid, our kids, and our families. Um, it just gives another thing we can point to to say, look, this is how much God loves you. That there's a church, St. Paul's, that comes right. and buys gifts and wraps gifts and sends gifts and does all these things. For you, because they love you, and right. they don't even know your name. Right, you know? right. So you've gone from, uh, in the late 90s, you know, you and mm-hmm. a bunch of people praying for you. Give a, me a brief kind of synopsis of where you are staff-wise and, and yeah. like, 60-second, like, kind of <laughs> programming. And, and then I've, I want to dive into, after that, I want to kind of d- dive into the education part. Cool. So we have an after-school program and a summer camp. The after-school program is Monday through Friday, serving the neighborhood residents um, all K through 12, um, very 
serious about getting their homework done and then focusing on reading and math. So it's a tutoring and homework time. Um, and then the, the summer camp is an extension of that. So half day academic and half the yeah. day kind of experiential learning with all kinds of cool opportunities. Um, so we have seven full-time staff, um, 15 part-time staff. Um, all of those part-time staff are academic enrichment folks. They're okay. working in the classrooms. They're in, helping out with the summer camp and after-school program. So we're, our big push is this academic piece, but not to lose sight of that our biggest push is presenting the gospel. Right. Our goal is that our families would know Christ. We do want them to pass. We do want them to move on. We do want them to have great lives, but right. we do not want them to miss the whole point. Right. And uh, So we do a lot to bring the gospel into everyday life and everyday experiences. Um, but I will say, if you love people's kids, they will let you talk to them about anything. Mm. So we, yeah. <laughs> we'll love your kids because right. we want to get a chance to tell you about Jesus. Right. And and I know you and I have talked about um, just how powerful that after school program is. And because your percentage of, um, you know, kids passing that participate to the next grade, what is that? Again, I, I believe mean, it's, it's about 94, 95 percent. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And when we started, it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't. When that was, I mean, our after-school program was started by the parents saying, our kids are not passing. We don't know what to do. Sure. We didn't pass. Multiple, most of the families that we were working with when we started didn't make it past the sixth grade, wow. the parents. So they were coming to us with, I don't know how to do this. I'm intimidated by school. Sure. What can I do? And so the majority of our kids, when they start with us, are about two to three grade levels behind in at least reading and math, and mm-hmm. pretty much that encompasses the rest sure. of their academics. Um, but a year with us we can get them caught up. Um, and sometimes it's less than that. Sometimes it's just a summer and they will just thrive. Majority of our students are not struggling academically because of some mental deficiency. They're mainly struggling just because of their environment and the lack of exposure to early learning. Sure. Stuff. That early childhood development stuff had was lacking and we're seeing the, you know, the, right. the fruit of that. So, so then how, okay, now we're in COVID mm-hmm. and we're, we're doing this and, First of November, twenty twenty. What have you seen happen? Because, you know, I'm thinking, okay, these kids, you know, probably not as 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 easy access to internet. Um, like you said, the environment at the home may not may not be as good to to push them to get their work done. So, what has COVID done um, in in your ministry to children and the education side? Yeah, we we knew we were struggling. We knew our kids were struggling. Um, when when school first shut down and said, "Okay, we're going virtual learning mm-hmm. to finish the school year," um, there was certain places you could go to get your devices. Um, most of our moms didn't have rides to get there, so mm-hmm. that was strike one. Once they got the devices, most of our moms didn't have enough tech skill to figure sure. out how to set it up, and then most of them didn't have adequate internet speed to handle the programs that the device was asking. Mm. Uh, so we have a, a fairly large um, bank of computers at our, our facility, and then we also have internet that actually streams outside our boundaries um, with the Lakeland. They have, they've put a... Oh, they put like a Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi out there? Wi-Fi set nice. up there. And then our personal Wi-Fi is okay. available you have to log in. Sure. Uh, we we encourage our folks to 
to do use ours because it's protected. The sure. internet, the Lakeland stuff isn't, but that's right. It is reality. Um, so so we we saw this profound number of folks that just were not doing school. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't able to log in, or if they could log in, then there was a hiccup, and then the, nobody knew what to do, or right. you know. And so we initially the when we were working with the school board, they were saying, "Well, we got them devices," you know, mm-hmm. and and it is kind of true that there's no way the school is going to be able to follow up with every single kid and figure out what's going on. But what we saw was the majority of our families are an example of the majority of the marginalized families in Lakeland, that their ability to handle even the iPad that showed up at their right. door, um, if they got it, because right. that was another thing, just getting it was a hard thing. Um, there was always a tech issue. Yep. There was always something system broke down something happened Uh, so we had a lot of students that were coming to our facility this is when we were on the full lockdown and they would just pull up we had tables set outside we'd have this (laughs) weird social distance drop your computer your laptop off we'd reprogram the laptop send them back and usually two days later they were coming back again and these are the families that are serious about getting their kid to pass these are the kids that now these are also moms that are usually working two to three jobs, mm-hmm. so they're not necessarily home. So they have a student, maybe four or five students at home, with what we found out was initially one device oh, per family. Wow! So we had one device per family, and that device is supposed to manage all of those different platforms mm-hmm. that they're supposed. Which you know, anybody, well, and anybody that's worked with technology, you know, yeah. it breaks. <laughs> so, oh, it's right? always breaking. it's always breaking. And if you don't have that knowledge base, yeah. So you guys were providing tech help which is yes. huge yeah. <laughs> and so uh now that that school's back in session um probably some kids are distance learning some mm-hmm. aren't and are you doing your after care after school program right now yeah so we have the we have the e-learners that come in at eight o'clock in the morning they're with us oh, until nice. three and then our after school program kids get about three fifteen. they're there and they're so we transition the e-learners out and the after yeah. school program kids in um, e-learning has been really difficult. It's not been a good experience for anybody. Again, with the technology right. just coll- collapsing on a regular basis. We had one of our girls who is an excellent student, loves school, um, has always done really well. First marking period yeah. in e-learning, she shows up with absolute zeros across the board. Holy smokes. And we're like, what happened? And we found out that the one last step of actually submitting her work oh. she wasn't doing. So we were watching her sitting in right. her building doing the work, right. logging in, doing everything, right. but she wasn't submitting her work oh. correctly. Now, God is kind and sure. the school worked with her and they right. believed us that she, right. you know, so she really is. But the, she had you, thank but God. Had right? we not, yeah. And I, I would imagine that's the case for a lot of families right. that we didn't know about, that we didn't even get a chance to vouch for. Um, and then we have the, the after school program, so the brick and mortar kids who are coming to us who are just absolutely spent. And one of the things I think that I saw that was the most devastating for our kids is our program before COVID was a hugging, yeah, embracing, always hanging out, holding on to each other. Just our kids need yes. appropriate physical yeah. touch. And they're coming to this program where we're fist bumping mm-hmm. or elbow touching and they're collapsing. Like we yeah. had kids literally get off the bus just crying, mm. and you like, and you know, through some conversations with them, they just they needed a hug. Yeah, you know. So 
we started yeah. breaking some COVID rules yeah. and passing out hugs. Well, yeah, that's that's <laughs> kind of with our kindergarten teachers. It's like, I can't do kindergarten without hugging these kids. I'm you sorry. I mean, that, it, that is that is not going to work. And so if you're li- the COVID police listening right now, sorry. <laughs> they kids, kids need that appropriate safe touch, and they need that in a safe environment. Obviously, yeah. you guys create that safe environment. Um, so supporting Parker Street Ministries, um, connecting with them, volunteering after pro, uh, school program is huge. Christmas stores coming up. Christmas yes. can donate gifts at St. Paul, or you can go to their go to their location, um, drop off gifts, or give them a call. And like I said, you can Google Parker Street Ministries Lakeland to find out more. But before we leave, we were we were talking right before we started. You know, I've been at St. Paul sixteen years. You've been at Parker Street now. How many years is that ish? So twenty two. Twenty two. So like there's there's some blessing and longevity and one of that is to watch people grow yeah. in their faith through the ministry that that God lets you be a part of. Mm. Um so what's a what's a fun story that you've seen somebody kind of watch kind of go through and yeah, be like yeah. wow that's that's really cool to see what God did in this person's life because of the ministry that's here in Parker Street. Yeah, we had, we had a family um three girls and their mom who joined us early on the youngest was in kindergarten in our program Mm -hmm. and at the time and so these girls were the most joy to be around and the most terror i mean they were they were (laughs) i've got three daughters so i'm thinking (laughs) they they were extreme it was either awesome or oh my gosh they're gonna burn the place down Uh Um, the oldest was so sweet but also just she'd come in some days and literally look at me i'm not having it today I mean, she just <laughs> had this horrible look on her face, and you knew, just try to get her near some spaces where she didn't have to interact with people because she'd kill somebody. Um, <laughs> and she she wrestled with us, and we always kind of had this tumultuous relationship with her. She Once she hit 16, she started really kind of flaking on the after-school program and really not – I mean, she was coming, but it wasn't as consistent. And then um, just kind of we, – we thought we almost lost her um, – and then uh, she started dating this guy that she really liked, and uh, kind of we reconnected through that because yeah. she wanted to share him with us. Uh-huh. And uh, then her mom died unexpectedly, um, and that really kind of crashed us back in together. Um, and we we kind of got to help out with all that whole process and mm-hmm. getting them in a safe place again. And um, she was eighteen and just the you know the household yeah. leader all of a sudden. Wow. Um, shortly after that, she got married. Um, and so now she's married with a kid and trying to navigate being mm-hmm. the, the leader of the house. Um, still kind of in two worlds, kind of her old world, and then trying to figure out what a what a Christian world looks like. Um, but she knew she wanted to be connected to us, so she came back and just really kind of dove into church. And um, we had some part-time positions that she could fill in at the Parker yeah. Street, so she kind of took every spot. Anytime there was a job opportunity at Parker Street, she took it. Mm-hmm. And um, we just started seeing her develop and blossom and got a really good relationship with her husband, and he he really believed that there was love for him here. And mm-hmm. um, and so now she has two kids. Both of those kids are um, still too young to be in our programs, yeah. but she's working with us in, in the after-school program, so she's teaching and leading in the same program that she was once in um they're they're taking on leadership role at the church um and again when i say church it's not the church that park street doesn't have a church right we have a church we partner with so it's in the neighborhood and um so we've got this girl that's from our neighborhood who's lived our neighborhood's life who's now 
caring for our kids. And it's so fun to hear her come in and she's, you know, talking to me about what she's been praying about. And I was telling you earlier, she's, she actually believes in prayer, which is really encouraging because right. we, we were telling her about this. But right. one of the days I was talking to her about something, I asked her to be praying. Uh, some One of my family members was sick and all of a sudden she just started praying right there. And, you know, I am a Christian. I do right. really pray, but I was actually thrown off because right. I'm, <laughs> we're praying right then, right, right in the moment, right. you know, and I realized, wow. I mean, it's shocking that yeah. God would tell us actually to pray when somebody <laughs> right. says that, right? And so, so that was a really cool moment to just look at this girl who there was days that I wondered whether mm. we would make it. And now she's praying for me yeah. for a problem I had in the moment. And I, you know, I just was profoundly encouraged by that and to think that her her children are being raised in a christian home in a christian environment um where their norm right is really kind of what we had dreamed for her uh-huh. and uh so god has been so faithful to have you know and she's she's so grateful to be a part of our work that anytime you talk to her she acts like we're the greatest people mm-hmm. in the world but for us it's a treasure it's you know it's a reminder of the years yep. are worth it. Um, it's, it's an amazing gift that God gives us to get to see her every day. She's so joyful. Um, you know, she's one of those people that just brings light yep. into the room. And it's it's amazing when God shows you those, gives you those little glimpses, right? Yes. Of like, I'm doing work. You might not always know it, but just trust yeah. in me. And that's what uh, Parker Street Ministry about about telling people about Jesus in that neighborhood. So, Tim, thanks for being here. Thank you. God's blessings on your ministry. Again, check them out, uh, parkerstreetministries.org. Um, hope you can, uh, if, you, if nothing else, pray for them and pray for them right now. Yes.